Hey guys, this is Cameron. And it's Stacy. And Giselle. And you're listening to Put Your Oxygen Mask On First. Hey! Yay. Yes! <laughs> okay, so welcome to the dopest podcast on the planet with the most amazing guests. Welcome to Put Your Oxygen Mask On First. And we let me introduce wow. you. We got Momo Rodriguez in the building. Hey. <laughs> but let me, Momo, let me introduce you to my guests. There's Cameron and Stacy. I mean, my co-host. I'm sorry. <laughs> <You're> oh. <guess. laughs> you guys are my guests in my world. I know Cameron. Yes. How's it going? Thank you for joining the on? podcast today. For sure. I'm having a, a crazy day. And I'm like, you know what? What do I got to do today? I get this me? text message from Giselle. I'm like, oh fuck. <laughs> oh fuck. How was your how was your Valentine's? Who was the special lady? Oh, oh no, 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 no. Don't let him answer yet. First and foremost, <laughs> first and foremost, I man three times, three times to be my Valentine. And he just like dismissed me the whole time. Ooh. I never got yeah. dismissed in my life and Momo dismissed me. I asked him three times. The shame, you know, Momo. That's how you feel. You know, there is a first to many things. <laughs> um, and I am proud to say no to you uh, <laughs> uh, that many men have not been able to look it's about being a pioneer in your craft and that's what I'm all about yes. so, uh, that doesn't even know, make sense <laughs> <it> makes, <laughs> only when it's not in your favor doesn't make any sense <laughs> but you want to know what's sadder about this whole situation so Giselle went on my podcast as part of a dating show and the <laughs> guy that went on a date with her didn't even call her up <laughs> Wait, Giselle, you didn't even tell me that this, this whole situation happened. What? Okay. Yeah, she... yeah, go ahead, mama. <laughs> so she, this guy, this guy, one of my, one of my uh, co-hosts on my podcast, you know, great guy, but he is the worst fucking dude when it comes to women. Like this guy just doesn't, I mean, he's been divorced, but he, it's because he doesn't put himself in any category uh, as being first. You got to mm. put yourself first in a relationship. That way, they can respect you just as much as you respect yourself. Yeah. But when you have no respect for yourself, then why do you expect some other human being to invest in you if you don't even find yourself as an investment? Run so, that shit. Uh, yes. It's true. <laughs> so this guy is just like always dragging himself and like, you know what? I'm going to find you some girls to do a dating show on our podcast. I'm going to put my resources together. Giselle came on it and... You know, it was a tie be- with her and some other girl, and they both won the date. But he never called the girls for the date. Oh wow! But he called. He called Irma, though, right, Mama? I don't even know, to be honest with you. I think she just went to the show, um, and I think it's because just so intimidating him. <laughs> she does have that effect. <laughs> I mean, who starts off a conversation in a contest by saying, "I got titties"? You know, it- it's not. <laughs> I no. didn't even say that. <laughs> okay. I never okay. said that. Momo's okay. lying. Momo's lying. But, but like, am I no. really lying, though? Yeah, no. How we met, Momo, is I said, do you like big titties on your live? And therefore, you followed me. So that's, I mean, you're. I think you're... I mean, after me. someone says that, who's not going to follow? <laughs> <laughs> I was but, you know, guys. I'm not going to lie. I was lit. But you know another. But you know, just to give you not to give take away credit from you. But if you would have said you like Tams, I would have followed you anyways too. Tams <laughs> and titties. That's that's my. What's Tams? Yeah, what's Tams? Uh, well, then you know what? You guys are not the ones for me. If you know oh. what Tams is. <laughs> yeah. Tams fucking burgers. Oh, they, they, oh okay. They just- okay, they did. They had it on the Super Bowl. That. Yeah, they broadcast it on the Super Bowl. I saw mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Yeah, now that I, I, I mean, like, <laughs> then again, I am I am a foodie of a different type. I'm I'm a hood foodie. What does that you mean? You know what I mean? Well, Tams well, is that hood is... shit. So, like yeah, taco trucks like, and stuff. Nah, not even taco trucks. If it's on a truck, I won't go to it. It has to be in a stand. It has to be someone that can't even afford the wheels. Nothing <laughs> you know is good. <laughs> they can't even afford the fucking wheels. True, like those like, L.A. Oh, dogs. Yeah. Oh hell yeah! yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you got. If you gotta have a, if you gotta call a cousin to help you with the truck to fucking drop you off, that's when it's good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's when you know it's good food. What's up? Okay, Mama, we want to know how and where did you grow up? 
I grew up in a little hood named Barrio Chivas in the city of Artesia, and then I moved to Norwalk. So, as you can hear the sirens, my right? Uh, <laughs> so I grew up hood, like I grew up like cholo hood that were like we were shot at as kids. Like I was shot on the side. Like we grew up in like so many gangsters that we didn't want to be gangsters. Which they don't even talk about that on TV. It's like nobody really wants to be part of the hood, you know, unless you don't live in the hood. Right. There's a you know, statistic that's, yeah. that's true. Statistically, most people who are involved in gang violence don't even live in the neighborhood they're representing. Meanwhile, us that live in the neighborhood that is being represented are the ones that have to stay there when the person gets shot. We're there when they pick up the bodies. I can see that. Just... That's, that's why a lot of these gangsters be on some fraudulent shit. It's like, um, they're like, they have like this punk mentality because like, they don't really know what it's like to grow up in it. They're just like fraudulent yeah. like behavior. So I, I, I can see that for sure. And it sucks because guys like myself that were like, you know, we're like seeing these bodies being picked up. We're seeing the moms, the dads, the, the, the brothers, the siblings cry. It, it was a different kind of a... Um, effect on me where I was just like, okay, this is not what I want, but I'm not going to shy away from it. This is who I am. This is my culture. As mm -hmm. much as I hate saying, even the words, I cringe by saying that this is my culture, but it is because uh, no matter where you grow up, if you're from Mexico, where you're from uh, Nicaragua or wherever you're from, you're fucking Mexican in LA. You know, <laughs> that's, that's just the way it's going to be. So you create this subculture within where you know, part of it, it comes the low riding, part of it comes the, the low income housing, the government cheese, you know. That's why I get pissed off watching all these Rams fans be like, whose house? And I'm like, motherfucker, you don't even own the house. <laughs> like, you're on Section 8, motherfucker. But that's their house, though, bro. Our mama, that's their house. That's the thing. That's their house. But see, that's as a kid. I'm like 12 years old, 15 years old, thinking to myself, these cholos here are saying that I need to protect the neighborhood, but none of our parents own the property. And that always, <laughs> you know, like it, that triggered something in my mind, like, okay, something's wrong. And I think it wasn't until my, my house was shot up to a point where my dad was almost shot was where I realized, okay, this is not what I want. And that's where I became a comedian because at that point we had to make jokes about our surroundings or mm -hmm. else we wouldn't survive. You had to make a satire of something that was happening around you. you. If you didn't find the joke or the, the comedy behind it, then all you were left with was the tragedy. And what I realized was that comedy is tragedy plus time. Mm -hmm. oh. So Crazy, you, right? you never were enticed to become a cholo. They never jumped you in. You never were kicking it around the cholos. And then like, uh, yeah. what, what, what were your hobbies then? I mean, obviously you said that's why you became a comedian. Then what were your hobbies to... You know, if, if you weren't a part Well, first of all, I was kicked out of the gang. <laughs> How oh. did you get kicked uh, out of the gang, Mama? Okay, Stop. so when you're, when you're like in your teens and you're 14, they, the gang uh, rustles up all the, all the youngsters and they call them the peewees. Now, as, as if you're in the peewees, you're kind of forced to be part of the neighborhood gang because that's your way of security among the neighborhood. So they would get you uh, in a little group at the park and say, okay, you guys are the youngsters in our neighborhood. You, you know, you're from our gang. It's your job to figure out ways to make us money. And in return, your house is protected from anything that happens in the neighborhood. No one steals from you. No one tries to fuck up your house. No one tags in your house because you're part of the clique. So, of course, us being youngsters, you know, that's what we wanted. We, there was no social media. We All we knew was what the hood was providing. So, Fuck yeah, I wanted to be part of the gang. So I even went in there with fucking a notebook of ideas on how to make the, the gang money. And I remember, like, you know, I was always like a little too much. They showed to the gang, like, hey, Momo, what do you got for us? I'm like, well, hear, hear me out. We all went to the church festival last week, and we saw that everybody was making money during the bake sale. So why don't we get our moms to just cook, and we slang bread, us youngsters. And it was a great plan the way I had it out because I was going to make capitalize on the on the lunchtime at the school. I mean, I had it all worked out where we were going to make some money. And then the head gang member looked at me like, you know what, bro, just go home. <laughs> like, like, get the fuck out of here, bro. Like, what are you doing? And I'm like, no. This is and he's like, he was like, he really like pissed me off. I went home and I was like bothered. I was like crying. And my mom's like, what's wrong? And I was like, 
Uh, I got kicked out of the gang today. And she's like, what? <laughs> like, what are you talking about? And she goes, listen, what do you, what do you, what do you mean? I'm like, hey, don't get mad at me for trying to help out our house. I'm trying to take care of us. And she was pissed. And then the next day, I, I went over there to the gang. And I'm like, yeah, man, I don't think I could be in your gang. And the gangster just looked at me. The main dude was like, you know what, bro? Like, he was sincere. You have other plans in your life. And, uh, you know, we can't wait to see what they are. Like, I got a motivational speech by a fucking cholo. He's like, he's like, there's other, there's other plans in, in, in your life. And, and you know what? Crazy, man. Years now, I kind of like, to this day, he saved- feel bad for the, I, I feel bad for the gang because look, who, who's making the most money right now is Homeboy Industries. And they specialize in making bread. Yeah. Oh, that is so true. I've been to the cafe many times and I love Homeboy Industries. Yeah, and the fucking, they have it in the airports. They're like fucking $18 for a fucking concha. (laughs) (laughs) They have it in the airports now? Oh, hell no. I'm not. They have it at LAX. Yeah, so I'm like, I was ahead of my time. And then (laughs) after that, you know, they pushed me out of the gang. And I remember uh, I was in the after school program and this lady, like, she was like, you should read poetry. And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. I read one thing and then there was this girl that I liked and she was in the play. So I auditioned for like the play. And when I auditioned, I realized that I couldn't relate to none of the characters. And I'm like, I'm like fucking like 15 years old. And I don't know, like younger, like 12 years old, trying to, you know, read plays. that I didn't understand anything because my parents only spoke Spanish. So I, I mean, I didn't understand nothing that I was reading. And then one day I'm like, you know what, what if I write my own? So I would write plays. I would write plays and I would cast kids in the neighborhood and perform fucking little plays in the backyard. Fucking one day my dad comes home and he sees like fucking 15 trolls in the backyard watching my rendition of fucking Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> <laughs> were yeah, you it became first a, generation? Yeah, I was first. My mom and dad were from Chihuahua, Mexico. Uh-huh. And they met, they met over here, which is funny, from the same spot. And, you know, growing up, it's like you didn't have you didn't have nobody's help. Like, you had to figure shit out for yourself and for your parents. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, fuck, I remember those, remember those uh, back-to-school night where I had to translate at the same time what was going on, you know? It wasn't yeah. really that, was that much uh, Latinos, you know? There wasn't that much people who spoke the language and could translate. I mean, I remember the parent-teacher conferences where I would just tell my mom and dad a whole other story. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. I would totally make up, oh, he's doing great. They say I'm top of the class and uh, all this stuff. Like, <laughs> like it was, it was just like those were the days, man. And and uh, I mean, travioso, re- travioso. Boy, it's it, boy. It was it was a way to for fending for yourself. It was a way for surviving the the part of the neighborhood they never talk about in the movies. Like that was the hardest part for me was school because you know if your parents spoke Spanish, you were put in the immersion program or the ESL classes, not your parents. Mm-hmm. They already assumed that you didn't speak English. So I grew up in ESL classes where, you know, half the day was English, half the day was Spanish. And by the time we graduated high school, I mean, from elementary school into high school, none of us can really like be 100%. So for me now to be a national TV stand-up, you know, writer, is kind of a trip. You know, when, when I fucking didn't, didn't have the right uh, uh, tools to, to make that happen. But your crazy is hilarious. Like I swear to God, like I didn't know crazy. what I was expecting, but I I totally uh, related a hundred percent. And I I was like, damn, you're good because like, no offense, Momo, I'm sorry, I didn't hear about you <laughs> until I no, well, that's the thing. And but that's the thing. It's like nobody hears from us because they only want one of us. Uh-huh. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it it's like in the Latino comedy network, it's like. They're only going to want one of us, so why would they have all of us showcased? I mean, I've been doing this for 15 years, and I've been on tour. I've been all over the country. I've been all over the world doing comedy, but we don't have that notoriety. I mean, the only reason I got notoriety this past year was because I was on the TV show Mayans. You know, I had to to be a fucking Mayan and, and be a dramatic actor to be recognized for my comedy. Yeah, no, let's go. Let's let's take it way. Let's take it back 15 years. How did you get into comedy? I snuck in. Uh, and that's as crazy as I can say. Like, I I was auditioning for TV shows because I wanted to be an actor young. Went to acting school. And nobody was casting me because there was no character that was for me. 
I mean, I wasn't in my character style or the way I look was not in demand. So it was hard to get booked on anything. And then I just jokingly started, you know, saying, well, maybe I should try stand up. And I've always, always been a fan of stand up. And I'm like, well, how hard can it be? And it was fucking hard. It was, it was not an easy thing. I learned, um, like in the trenches, like open mics, fucking laundry mats. I mean, the, you name it, I performed in there. And then eventually I started taking it seriously and going to the comedy store, the improv, the laugh factory, hanging around till they give you a shot. And, uh, they don't do that anymore. You know, now they don't, you know, they don't, uh, they don't build you up like they used to. Now you get like fucking 10,000 followers and you're a comedian. Yes. <laughs> you know, you don't even, you don't even interact with people. Fucking, you know, you delete a comment. Man, I mean, shit, I, I was, I started off and you, you show up and they boo you right when you go on stage and your job was, are you going to come back next week and go on that same crowd? Hell you yeah. gotta earn the respect, you know. You gotta just go up there, and just fucking. You're not gonna take me down, and, and if you want, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put up a fight. And that's why when people say, "Well, how did you get good?" Now I'm like, "Man, this is years of doing bad." Mm-hmm. That's what exactly what it is. You can't kill unless you bomb a lot. Yeah. And if you don't bomb on stage, then you're not trying anything. I always a lot of comedians tell me, "Well, whenever I go on stage, I never do bad." Well, then that means you're not you're not pushing yourself. You have to do bad because that means you're not trying anything new. I mean, how are you going to grow? And then now, you know, I've become a writer for every every comic you can name I've written for um, and even produced the last. That's the thing for me. I, my, my, I was a huge fan of George Lopez. So one day, I'm like, I need to meet this guy. Maybe if I meet him, he'll help me. Uh, I snuck into Warner Brothers Studios. Wow. And I got arrested. <laughs> oh, <laughs> on, my God. <laughs> and then... Uh, it was, they had me zip tied and then George passes by. He's like, what's going on? I'm like, hey man, I snuck in because I wanted to meet you. I'm a big fan of yours. I'm a stand up. And he goes, well, let me see what you have in front of my studio audience, whatever. And they say, no, you know, he, he, they let me go. And he's like, you need to go to the ice house. You need to get your crap going. Like, he gave me so much advice. He's like, don't be afraid to try new things. And then uh, maybe 10 years later, I snuck onto his golf tournament. And uh, again, I was almost arrested. And, you know, face to face, he's like, what do you want? I'm like, listen, man, I just want to work with you. Give me a chance. And, uh, man, last year I produced his Netflix special. Wow. So it's like. Can you, can you tell me where you got that drive? Yeah, like, I respect that determination. To, it goes. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Saying, people how, saying no to me. Yeah. Like, I'm, I mean, look, I'm an overweight male with a complex. People say no to me all the time. Mm-hmm. Um. That was a thing growing up. I was bullied. I was bullied. I was, I mean, it was just a bunch of things. So I had to learn how to get to the joke before they got to the joke. And, you know, you self-deprecate, but you also build this callus of being disappointed. And then you realize one day that it's not that you're being disappointed. It's that you haven't told the universe what you want. And once you get the courage enough, you can start asking the universe for whatever the fuck you want. And you'll get it. Mm-hmm. I mean, okay. I went out there and I said, you know what? They're going to say no to me. So let me prep for it. But if they're going to say no to me, let's make it a, let's make them really argue why, why they're saying no to me. And, and when, when, with that mindset, you realize that you, you're, you're making people turn you down, but then you're also making them think, why not you? Mm-hmm. And then that is where the mind fuck begins. And that's what entertainment is, man. We're, we we are the most amazing and 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 devious mind fuckers. That's entertainers. <laughs> One big mind fuck. I mean, I think that's about that goes with every uh, profession. If you if yeah, you have, of course. You know what I mean. That goes with everything. So, is it really a drive? I don't know because I'm fucking lazy. I mean, every day I'm like doesn't mad sound- at myself for not doing more. Doesn't sound like <laughs> it. You're like a multi versatile, diverse person in this business and and as far as as breaking into the business how did you know you wanted to be in the business because I didn't see anybody like me uh-huh. and I knew a lot of people like me and that didn't make sense how do I know so many people like me but I don't see any of them like me I'm like that's a market that's a story that needs to be told and I always consider people like myself and people around me to be entertaining and seeing the crap on TV like what the fuck is this 
And I'm like, why aren't we being showcased? And we're the, I mean, I don't want to go Latino, but I'll go Latino. Latinos are hardworking motherfuckers and Great. they have some amazing stories, but they're not showcases as much. And if they are, they're either going through something where their their brother is a cop, but they're a cholo and they have a weird life to play on TV or they're a maid or they're having trouble with the cartel. I mean, there's more to that than just us. I mean, mm-hmm. there's there's more issues than, than, than the drama that, you know, we're being shown on court cases about. I mean, damn, a lot of us are poets, writers, philosophers, doctors, educators, and then and, and just, you know, innovators. And, and I think, I felt like I'm never going to be a doctor or a scientist, but if I can portray one, maybe that'll inspire someone to become one. Yes. Oh, I like that. I mean, those were the thoughts I was going through my mind as a kid, you know, because I knew, like, look, I think when I was a kid and it was Christmas time, and I realized that Santa Claus bought me cheaper toys and he brought my cousins. I said to myself, okay, I'm different. Um, I live in a different, uh, different bracket in life. And I can either change that or, you know, work hard to be in a different bracket. Or I can make sure all, everyone's happy and every kid gets a good toy by knowing that he is the one that can create that happiness. And, and, I wish somebody would have told me as a kid, you can create your own happiness, but no, nobody told me that. In fact, uh, I was being told that I can't be happy because of the way I look and because of the way I, uh, the way I live and who I am and where I grew up. So, I mean, this whole thing that I'm doing is basically so I can inspire and as cheesy as that sounds and as corny as that may be, we all need a little cheese and corn, you know? That's how we do. That's how we Mexicans fuck I do love, I do love elotes, not gonna lie. But you, there you, you, go. you inspire me, Momo. And um, my next question is, how is it working with George Lopez? Oh my God, I've been such a fan since I was 12. Oh. I'm 34 now. I'll be 34 in two weeks. I'll, I'm 34 now and I'm like, I every time you're hanging out with him in the PJ or on golf courts or in Vegas or what have you or in his podcast... I am so jealous. Is it everything that I dreamt of in my entire life? Tell me. You know, he's, he's <laughs> the most he's the most uh, nicest person that I've ever, in the industry that I've ever met. I mean, the guy, you know, is also the meanest person I've ever met in the industry. <laughs> um, Sounds like my dad. <laughs> right. He, and you know what? That's what it feels like. He feels like a father figure to me. And he's like that big brother uncle that I, you know, I never had. He, um, He's a teacher and he's, he is just this, this force that you're like, sometimes you're like, how's this motherfucker working right now when we're all fucking dead tired? And it's because, you know, he has, um, this vision of what he, what what he, what are you seeing in his years entertainment? I mean, George started comedy when the Latino wasn't a thing. Mm Mm-hmm. He wasn't appreciated. I mean, he got the worst of everything, but he survived. And in that, you know, you learn some little lessons. So hanging out with George every every time I'm with him is like, I don't even talk. Like, and he'll tell you, I don't say a word because I'm just listening to see what knowledge is going to be thrown at me and what he has to say about a certain topic. Like, the guy is a fucking teacher. He's a Jedi. And I mean... <laughs> That's what it feels like. I feel like I'm me, Obi-Wan Kenobi and Anakin <laughs> fucking over here. Just, you know, it's such a it's such a weird experience. And then, you know, to be that guy who's makes so many people laugh, um, also be the guy that you're now trying to produce his comedy. It's fucking mm. badass. To 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 help write and mold, you know, your hero's words is fucking badass. Yeah. Um, and I think he res- recognizes that in me that I really want this. And, and you know, George Lopez don't fuck with anybody. When he does, that means you're doing something right. And, uh, and I hope I'm doing something right to be around him and his people. And he introduced me to the Kings of Comedy. I mean, because of him, I was on tour with T.L. Hughley, uh-huh. the Entertainer. And I, love I, was on tour with- I love I mean, I was on tour with him. That's- Imagine me in a fucking private plane with all those dudes. Yeah. I'm like, what am I doing here? You're like just and then it's just it's just crazy and then now they're my friends too like you know to have all these dudes phone numbers you know hang out 
be friends with Anthony Anderson because, and all because of George. Mm-hmm. Is George Lopez your Yoda? He's my fuck. He's no, you know, my Yoda is Carlos Santana. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. I, well, you were there um, with Mayan Lopez, right? And George at the Carlos Santana show in Vegas, no? Well, so Carlos Santana is like really good friends with George Lopez. So when we were in Vegas, we're like, y'all want to see, go, go see Carlos? I'm like, fuck yeah. You know, and you know, when you go see somebody with George, you don't go see them. You go see them. Mm-hmm. Like you just like hang out. So here, dude, I was so starstruck with Carlos Santana. He's a fucking Mexican Yoda. <laughs> the, the dude is like badass. Uh, George is more like like a Jedi master that's always going to get mad at you for fucking up. <laughs> <laughs> Because whenever, whenever I get cocky, he goes, calm down, puto. Calm down. <laughs> like, calm down. Like, he'll put me on blast. If I celebrate, he's like, act like you scored a goal. <laughs> Which is a great, it's a great teacher. You guys, yeah. he's at the Microsoft on Saturday. Yeah? Were you too or no? I'm going to be there. I'm over. Whenever he's there, I'm around. But I'm going to have my show on, on uh, Friday in Bellflower. It's going to be a crazy show. Oh yeah, tell them, tell the listeners where where is that the what what's in the at the Bellflower. It's a new stand-up comedy club. It's like the first club in this area, and I'm doing two night two shows in one night here in Bellflower. It's called the Stand-Up Comedy Club. It's gonna be badass because I'm gonna have you know who's coming. That's funny. I met Mellow Manes the other day. Who you remember Mellow? You remember Mellow Manes? I don't I don't recognize the name. Okay. Sorry. Mellow Manes has a song called Mentirosa. Oh, oh. Oh, I know that song. We, and we know that song. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yes. yes, yes. <laughs> so he's going to be there. Yeah, he. I played golf with them on last week. Uh-huh. I played golf with him and Coolio, which was a weird situation. Oh, I think I saw yeah. your story. I always stalk you on your stories. So. She does. <laughs> <laughs> but it was so weird. Like, what am I doing here? I'm playing golf with George Lopez, Coolio, and Mel Menace. What an interesting dynamic. Okay, wait. Right? Momo, I want to know, well, we want to know how you got (laughs) to being an actor on the Mayans. Yes. You know, I did a sketch making fun of the Mayans. (laughs) um, Saying how none of the guys look like real club guys. And I was, it was a a sketch and it was called Bad Audition. Mayans audition tapes. And it's just me like fucking talking shit during an audition. And I guess three years ago, this is when the Mayans first came on. Yeah. Three years ago, the, the writer, uh, one of the creators of Mayans, Elgin James, was somebody sent him that video. And so Elgin wrote uh, this character named Steve. Steve is based on his best friend growing up. Mm-hmm. The same thing that Steve went through um, is what Elgin wanted to capture on the Mayans. But he waited till season three to do it. And when they when he created the character and he created the script, they were looking for a Momo Rodriguez type, mm-hmm. um, but nobody asked Momo Rodriguez. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck, <laughs> you know? And I think it was because um, they're like, he's a stand-up, he's not a serious actor. But people don't realize, I mean, I, my dream, and I'm trained as a serious actor, but you know, nobody would ever know that um, because again, they don't cast us in Hollywood. That's the truth. I mean, I'm not trying to make an issue, but it's fucking the truth. So the, the day came on where my manager calls me. She's like, hey, there's a, there's an audition. A lot of your friends are in Mayans. You, you think you can hook it up? I'm like, well, they all know about me. In fact, they're looking like for somebody like me. But no one's asked me for the tape. So my manager's like, well, fuck it. I'm going to submit you. So she submitted me, and then they gave me an application, and then they gave me a, an appointment, and they wanted me to put myself on tape, and I submitted it, and I'm like, she's like, Listen, you tried. Then we get a phone call the next day. They're like, hey, they want to do a live Zoom with you. They want to audition you live on Zoom. So I'm like, fuck it. And they sent me the most depressing scene. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to give them who I am. I'm going to be sincere. Now, that week, I had a stroke on my eye. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. Oh, so I had, I had a Bell's palsy on my mm-hmm. eye. So oh, that's I couldn't move. I had, I had third cranial third cranial palsy, well, no, sixth cranial nerve palsy. Wait, time. And... I'm opening this, I'm opening up this tolly for you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm okay. crazy now. <laughs> so, so then I'm, 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 you know, I'm fucking, I'm trying to realize how am I going to do this with the audition without them noticing that I'm paralyzed in one eye. So the whole audition, I did it turn into the side in front of everybody. 
So smart. And, oh. and the whole time I was dramatic and I cried on the audition. Like I went hardcore into it. And they're like, you know what? We shoot in a month. A month went by and my eye was still, and they still haven't even seen me for anything. Like they haven't seen me in person. So like the first episode of Mayans, you could see like my eyes not moving, my left eye. That's me on like daily. <laughs> but, and nobody knew. <laughs> nobody knew though. I, I have Marcus gun. It might as well be Bell's palsy, but it's the same thing. It is not the but same. It, <laughs> it's yep. not the same thing. Uh, well, <laughs> you know. Well, Momo seen me in person. He knows. <laughs> but it's completely not the same thing. Right. This is the thing, and the thing was, it's like I and now here's another thing. I need glasses. So I didn't realize that my character didn't have glasses. And they're like, can you see without them? No, I can't. So the whole first episode, I don't know what the fuck is going on because I'm blind, basically. So, but they're like, dude, the frustration you had in your eyes was amazing. You're a great actor. Oh, wow. So now this carried on. The second scene I shot, there was a part where I, I shot somebody on the show and I have to leave on a motorcycle and I'm fucking crazy intense. It's a crazy scene. And there's a, the guns that we use, by the way, are real on the show. All the guns are real. Oh, wow. and like, I, what's his name? Alec Baldwin? I mean, probably yeah, not anymore like, after that situation. Yeah, probably not anymore after that, yeah. <laughs> so I put the gun on my back and it went down my pants up to my asshole. <laughs> and that intensity in my eye on that scene is because the gun steals in my ass. Ah, <laughs> <Shit>. <laughs> fucking ha- uh, those are accurate hacks no no it, it was it was crazy it, once i got casted it was crazy man it's crazy when you get casted for a show you get excited but you can't tell nobody yeah and then it's the nerves because let's say the network gives you no the the, the network gives it to you and then the director gives it to you but now you have to wait like a month for the studio to approve you so it's like fucking stress. And then you get the part and then you can't tell nobody you're going to be on the show mm-hmm. until it comes out, you know? And then it's like, it, it was, it was an, an amazing experience. And then I lost my mom during it. Oh my God. Like, I'm so sorry. Oh, thank you guys. While I was shooting, I lost my mom. So it's like that. It was just like, one of the, it was the most bitter, sweet things that I've ever happened in my life. Cause it's like, I made it. I'm on a TV show. I'm loving it, but the person that like was my number one supporter is not here to see it and or, or enjoy it with me. Mm-hmm. And then now I'm it's a pandemic, so I can't go to the red carpets. It was crazy, but at the end of the day, man, I learned so much about who I was as an actor. And I learned about like, you know, any of us. Um, because my 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 uh my character is about sui- my character committed suicide on the show. Yes, I and that you died off. Yeah, it was, and it was like I did seven episodes, but it was the most. What got me was that it was based on a real person, and it was based on the best friend of the creator of the show, and that's what made it an honor to play this role because I wanted to represent everybody out there that's going through some crazy issues of mental health, and and I, I thought it was beautiful the way they they portrayed you know this person what he was going through, and uh, I mean even right now, I get so many messages of bikers and people that have somebody that was like this character and uh, how much I gave them the closure or or at least spoke about what their friend was going through. So yeah. it, it, was, it was it was an amazing role for me to play. Where and did I, you draw the inspiration to become that character? Yeah, like what was your, like what role did you play? Well, the, the thing is, Mayans, every, every actor on the show is a method actor so they all believe they're the person. So mm-hmm. for six months I had to really pretend I was this guy so I researched the guy, I talked to the director, and yeah, it was the director's best friend that committed suicide in front of all of his friends. Oh my God. And and, and that's and that was the scene that I had to portray. Uh, I, I was a prospect, someone who wanted to be in the gang, the club, and then once I got it, I realized this is not the life I want to live. I don't want to be a killing machine. I'm not a killing machine. I'm a sweet guy, and I can't be like them. And in, in front of everybody, when I got my patch, when I became a member, I shot myself in front of everyone. And that really happened to his friend. So I had a really like, I mean, I, I really became this dude for a while. And this is the, the trick that I use. When I lost my mom, I didn't want to be Momo that whole time. 
So I use I use the character Steve to to kind of like get away for a little bit. I was so in Steve that I forgot about Momo for a while. So when I was on set portraying these lines, people have told me like it really was a whole other person I was being. And even my mindset was even like in the in, in that realm. When I had to shoot my last scene where I, where, where I killed Steve, I was so sad because I had to bring back Momo and mm-hmm. I had to deal with the issues that I was going through, uh, you know, a loss. So if you watch my last scenes, my last episode, I cry most of the episode. Those are real fucking tears. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm sincerely crying as I'm shooting. And, you know, no, 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 nobody knew what was going to happen to me on the show. Uh, the extras were just in shock. Everybody was in shock. And right before I shot my suicide scene, I went to the director and I said, and to the writer, and I asked him, what do you want to say to me? You never got to say to me. Like, that's how much I was Steve. Oh, my God. And he told me all these things. Oh, no. Like, that's so beautiful. That is. It was, it, it was great. It was, it was a beautiful closure. And, and we played it. And Steve was one of the most loved characters of the Mayans right now. Yeah, hashtag what the Steve is every time I'm on your live, everybody's like, hashtag what the fuck, Steve? Like, and like, let's just say, first and foremost, your mom is proud as fuck for you watching you shine. I'm sure. You I'm pretty sure. Like, yeah, she's talking shit to everybody. She's out there. She's your guardian angel fighting the most for you. So, like, that's first right. and foremost, that's, you know, she's, that's you. That's your soul. You know, that's, she's part of your soul. So, that's awesome. Exactly. But do you plan on acting more? Like, do you do you want yeah. to pursue? You want to pursue? Oh, that's career? that's always been my, my my first love is acting. Uh, you know, that's that's always been my thing. And and as a writer, I mean, I've written five TV shows, and I've written for a lot of shows. And now I'm creating my 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 own. I'm creating pilots. I'm trying to write TV shows about me and what I'm going through. And I want to focus more on portraying. The, you know. One thing that I love to see on my messages, my DMs, uh, aside from titties, is uh, people telling Besides me. Besides my titties or what? No, we've never seen those. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. No, we've never seen those. No one's ever seen them, apparently. No. Um, <laughs> um, I, I, one thing that I like receiving is those those uh, things uh, from people like, "Hey, man, thank you for being on TV because you look like me, and it's good to see people like you." Like me on TV, the representation it gives me, is important. The representation do- is very important. It, it does matter. I mean, I had a guy the other day come to a show and tell me that his moments of suicide, everything he related to me, and just to see it played out, and he saw how it affected everybody else, made him change his mind. Uh, and that, for me, that was like fuck, man. That was beautiful to hear that from someone. Um, and then even even being an overweight guy is inspiring to a lot of people. Like, man, I can't believe you're on TV. Like, they have all these heartthrobs on that show. Those dudes are all buff. And I'm like, yeah, but, you know, those guys, that's what their job is to do, is to look good. Mm-hmm. You know, there is other people out there, and I'm glad that they they they, uh, they show all types of guys on that show. Like, there's, there's a little bit for somebody, something for everybody. And, uh, yeah, so, yeah, I do want to be more of an actor. I want to be a producer. I want to create. I'm working on a few things I can't talk about. Um and I can't wait till they come out and I start working on them. But it, definitely uh, to be somebody else is such a fun thing to do, man. I respect like, it's that. Just... I respect that because I, for me, I don't think I could turn into something and be that something for an extended amount of time. Only because I have my own thing going on with mental health issues. I'd probably like, I don't know, I'd probably spiral or something. That's what I'm scared of, too. Like, I feel like I'd suffer the same thing. Yeah, like like Heath Ledger or something. Like Marilyn Monroe. Yeah. 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 No, that's what, you know, it's funny. Like, when I shot The Suicide, I um, had everybody call me on set for welfare checks the first three days. Mm -hmm. um, Because they were so convinced that I was fucking going to kill myself after the show. Wow. Like, they were that convinced. They were like, dude, you were we didn't you were not you you were dark like it felt like there was a shadow following you mm-hmm. and I, there was a guy by the name of mike beltron he is on one of the mayans he's a guy that has the, a great mustache that goes all the way down like a beard uh he's also a ufc uh, referee okay i think i know who yeah that, oh. yeah that guy he, he's, he's also he's also an, an l.a county sheriff 
So he called me the next day right away. How are you doing? How is everything going on? I'm like, I'm good. Why? He's like, no, 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 man. You you brought some darkness that last night on set. Everybody saw the darkness. And we want to know if you're okay and if it took you in a little bit. And I'm like, you know what? It, it did kind of take me in. To put a gun to your mouth, no matter Fuck if it's fake mouth? or real. Yeah. You know, and then pull the trigger and then stimu- you know, simulate you being shot in the head and falling down. It is a scary moment in, in anyone's life, even if it's just play. But when you're crying and you're really feeling and you're vibing with this person, scares the fuck out of you. And I think it did take me a while to decompress the character. And as mm-hmm. an actor, the more you get into I mean, I was submitted for a fucking Emmy, which was amazing. You were, uh, Mama? I was. It was no fucking... No way! What yeah, for me, that, that was... He was told us that when we met, Giselle. I don't yeah, remember... <laughs> When we yeah, met, I was, I was on a different level. Okay, don't, don't. Yeah, but the thing, the thing about Emmys is this: like, when you when you when you qualify for an Emmy, and they submit you. You know that's great, but to get voted on for an Emmy, you have to pay fourteen thousand dollars for the people mm-hmm. to come see. So, so who paid that? I mean, I didn't pay that. <laughs> I was not gonna pay that. Fuck it. So I, I didn't even pay it all. I was like, oh, thank you for the submission. I appreciate it, and that's it. And then I get, you know, some guys voted for me. Some of the guys, the, the Mayans voted for me, um, you know, but it wasn't been no big deal. But just to be, just, just to be able to be submitted for an Emmy was fucking beautiful yeah, for me. Yeah, to, to be acknowledged, that's like a big deal, especially yes. for an Emmy in the industry. That's, that's fucking amazing, Momo. And I'm sorry if you told me this in the past. I, <laughs> I just, I'm just only right. remembering it from now. But, um, but Momo, like, let, I know we're short, a little short on time, but I just want to know um you are into some spooky shit and i dig it um i i that's why oh, I yeah. you. you're like uh you've been a paranormal investigator for how long for like 15 20 years almost Damn, like, yeah like 10 15 how'd, shit i think about yeah, yeah 20 years how'd you get into that like what how'd you do that like <laughs> well you know everybody my mom was the she was just obsessed with the paranormal from aliens to UFOs to I mean to ghosts to like everything and and you know we we I mean we all were into it so I, I wanted to go on another, another level and see it for myself because my mom had some great ghost stories and I never had one so I wanted to experience one and uh, in college I met this guy who was a medium and AJ we became yeah AJ we became AJ good friends <laughs> Mr G Barrera and then AJ became we, I mean, we got really close to a point where I thought he was full of shit. And then uh, we started our own inve- paranormal investigating club. And we were go something for years, me and him. And then I saw my own experiences. I saw some shit. But I was like, well, he's the medium. I want to become the expert. And I read and I read. And even every day now, I start. I mean, I'm, right now I'm on three books that I'm reading right now on the paranormal. Like, I want to be an expert on it. And it's been if beautiful. You, you know. Can you uh-huh. tell can you tell us the name of the books? The book right now, one of the ones I'm reading right now is the 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 Anunnaki, which is uh, yeah, yes, the Anunnaki. You know, uh huh. One, one of my fascinations of of these this you know these ancient people that were here. Yeah, I'm obsessed with um ancient aliens, so I I know a little bit about the Anunnaki. Mama, let's get back on track. So you're um. Three books in one about the Anunnaki. What's the other two about? One is uh, "Visits from the pa- Visits of the Afterlife" by Sylvia Brown. I realized oh, Sylvia, Sylvia Brown, 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 Brown from Montel Montel yes. Jordan. Sylvia yeah. Brown. I read so much Sylvia Brown. I mean, she predicted the book. pandemic. She predicted the yeah. pandemic. Yeah. No, I I love her. My mom and I used to watch her all the time. So that yeah. was kind of like. So I read every book she's written. So I'm gonna I'm rereading. Visits to the Afterlife, and I'm also reading um, another one that's called the 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 shock the Crystal Witch, which is uh, pretty much a database on crystals. Mm-hmm. Oh. You do know, you own crystals? To, I do. And a lot of them were gifted to me, mm-hmm. and uh, I have a lot of like you know I have a lot of weird things that people give me. And uh, another book that I just ordered is uh the Cheech and Chong book. So that's the research. <laughs> I love Cheech and Chong. The name of your boobs. No, yeah, those are <laughs> growing really? up. They're the growing up my <laughs> when I got my implants like ten years ago. 
people were like, oh, they, Cameron would be like, these are, Cameron would wear low-cut V-shirts. He's so I have Jimmy and Timmy. So and it's Jimmy has and Timmy and, and mine are Cheech and Chong. Cheech and Chong. Which fit me so well. But um, anywho, um, Momo, can you tell us your most juiciest, like one of your most um, encounters that are, is very, um, that sticks with you? Like a sex story? What the fuck? No, 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 no. <laughs> no. One time I was. A... <laughs> no, 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 no. Like your most juiciest um paranormal, paranormal. story. Did I say sex? No. Oh my god. I, just, I mean, when <laughs> oh, you say like... juicy, or like yeah, a juicy, juicy story. Well, yeah, was, juicy you know. story. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think for me it was the Alexandria Hotel, the one on Fifth and Spring. Um, this is in LA. Oh, downtown, yes. I still don't go there because of the story. Uh, and I, you know, I was even I hit up recently, but uh, the, I was doing a ghost hunt with AJ there, and we didn't find anything. And I think we we're wrapping up around four in the morning. And as we're wrapping up cables and stuff like that and cameras, this little girl, this little like girl, like maybe nine, ten years old, walks out of the elevator, pink dress just smiling at me and I look at AJ and I'm like what the fuck, what the fuck is up with this kid who lets their daughter out at nine in the morning all dressed up and AJ just smiles at me he's like you just saw your first apparition oh, like, yeah. and for me that that wasn't even like a demonic or scary or whatever it was so pure that it made me fucking sad because it's like wow she's trapped Oh my like, god, that's so scary! But Momo, don't you and AJ know how to make them like send them to the light? Yeah, yeah, no, we. I mean, we tried because you know that's what we do. But you got to remember, most people see kids as ghosts for one reason. That's because kids are. They say when you when you die, a white light comes out and people are there to get, you know guide you. A lot of kids are afraid to go through that light, or they're mm-hmm. they're not, or they're just not sure, or they're waiting for something. You know, something's going on, and. There's a lot of theories behind it, but I feel like it's hard to get that the kid ghost to really focus on you and to have them understand what the process is versus, you know, an older man that's died and doesn't want to cross over because he's afraid to be judged by whatever's next on his path. I mean, with kids, it's always crazy. So a lot of the ghosts that we see are most kids. And, you know, for, for like weeks, I couldn't even sleep without seeing her face. Like I was so... Oh no! It was too much, and then I we did research, and about two months later, we got the records back, and we found out that the architect's daughter was killed in the elevator shaft, nineteen oh nine. Oh my god! That's that's in the shaft. Oh my god! In the shaft. Yeah. I'm sorry, I made myself laugh. (laughs) In the shaft. In the show. That's funny. Sorry, go ahead. I, is, uh, I have an EVP, which is uh, short for uh, electrical voice phenomenon. I have a recording of a ghost that me and AJ caught in the park by my house in, uh, over here by like Santa Fe Springs Whittier. Um, we caught this voice of uh, somebody going that they jumped. And I have the recording. I can send it to you. It's crazy. Oh wow! That they they actually... they're saying that they're jumping or yeah they go I jumped. <gasps> oh my god! And that's that's recording. It's fucking crazy. I mean, we I have a lot of other stories that are crazy, but like these are like huge no, setups. No, tell us another one. Tell us we're like our fans and at least me and I know Cameron. We're obsessed with uh, paranormal. So if well, you have George any Lopez. UFO, if you have any UFO or ghost stories, oh. we are about it. George Lopez. Has oh wait, wait, wait! Like... Let me plug in your podcast, everybody. I'm obsessed. Um, this is one of my top five podcasts. Para Gordo Activity. That's Momo's podcast with Hefty. Hefty's the one who denied me for a date, and Momo's the one <laughs> who denied denied me for Valentine's Day. So, um, <laughs> go okay. to them. Go to them. So <laughs> you make it sound like ass. You know what it is, right? <laughs> You guys were being assholes to me, honestly. Like, come on. You scare like... us. You're too intimidating. <laughs> You're just too intimidating. That's I feel like I don't know. It's but too uh, much. Well, let me say I it again. Like at, I have... 
at you can find it on all streaming platforms at Para Gordo Activity. It's one of my favorite podcasts because they dive into anything from the paranormal to the weirdest shit that's happening in real time. So I dig it. It but is yeah. really random. It's fucking. It's so funny and random because we, we we have no filter. We talk a lot of shit, and it's two fat guys. So that's why it's pair of gordo, pair of gordo activity. <laughs> <laughs> I love now, it. Yeah. So but, um, give us give us another story. Please. All right, real We're quick. George, yes. One more because my dog needs to be walking. He's looking at me. Yes, yes, on, yes, 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 yes. Um, I'll give you the the one that's George Lopez's house. So George Lopez, I'm at his house all the time because he's just my my homie, and he's you know sometimes I help him out with recordings and like commercials and things that we got to shoot from the house. So one day he's like, "Hey, come over because DoorDash is coming over for a commercial, and just come you know come help me out real quick." Show up to his house and he has a sound guy and a camera person setting up, and then George is upstairs changing, and then the camera guy goes, "Hey, um." He told the lady in the kitchen to like not wash dishes during the recording. And I'm like, there's no lady here, bro. <laughs> there's mm. nobody in the kitchen. So, you know, that that's that was the first one where like, okay, people could see it. Now, when I would go to George's house, I would never tell him this because I didn't want to be that guy. Oh, you don't want to be that guy. I say, hey, I think your house is haunted. No. <laughs> so I was downstairs in his living room and he has these these curtains that open up and and he also has behind those curtains these other, uh, you know, like those cowboy doors in the saloon. Yeah. Oh is that your dog? Is that your he's dog? He's ready. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> he's freaking out. He's, he's a he's totals. What so, kind of dog do you have, Mama? He, it's a it's a Australian Shepherd mixed with the Yorkie. Oh. I don't even know how they, my dog. How they, my dog's mixed with the Yorkie too. I don't even know how they fuck. It's fucking weird. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't make any sense. <laughs> but no, there's a there's a truck passing by. And he wants to know what's up. So we're at his house, and the he has those cowboy doors. I'm sitting there, and the they just open up and close, like whatever. Like it's a fucking someone's going through them. And I say to him, like, dude, I don't want to be that guy, but something's wrong with your house. And he shows me a video of him that he took at three in the morning of people like downstairs knocking on fucking pots and pans. Ooh. Like, hardcore. I'm like, so what is this? Your house is legit haunted. He's like, it's legit haunted. It doesn't bother me. It's an expensive fucking house. I'm not going to move. <laughs> they can stay downstairs. I'll stay upstairs. But yeah, they it's a notoriously haunted house. That's crazy. It's probably built on, like, Indian ground or something. Oh, man. I've been over there many times to do the staging, but I think it's playful. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's serious. Um, and, you know, I've had other little things here around the, the country. Little, little, uh, you know, little stories. I mean, AJ and I have hundreds of them where we would just go go something. And I mean, some of them I don't like to talk about because you bring back the energy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, especially, especially the ones that are like, I'm a little freaked out about to this day. Like I try to ignore them because, you know, you're fucking with energy. And when you're a paranormal investigator, you've already opened up Pandora's box. You yeah. already opened up that channel with you and them. So I'm like Wi-Fi, and so is AJ. When we're around something that's haunted, we're going to feel it right away. I walk into a house that's haunted, I feel like a pressure coming over me. Oh, wow. It's a trip. It's like we're already turned on to it, so it already knows to go to us first. But, Mama, and, have you ever had an entity follow you home? Yeah, many times. Oh, Many times? Oh, no, Many thanks. times. And what that's do you do? You just sage it out or what? You, you know, sage is a big misconception. People sage all the time thinking that's cleansing. No, sage, would, sage is an amplifier of energy. So when you sage your house, you're actually making things come out. Oh um, oh. Yeah, sage is not sage is not for, is for cleansing, but you got to finish the ritual. You're supposed to sage your open all the windows in your house, mm-hmm. wherever you're gonna sage. Go to every corner going clockwise. clockwise every corner, yeah. every corner of your house window. If it's a corner, it's a corner. Remember, corners are where the 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 dimensions change, where we go in and out. So you go to every corner, every window, you open it up, you sage every corner, you go around doing a prayer clockwise. Then when you're done, let the sage finish burning all the way till it's done. And then you bury it, put it back to the earth. Oh, That's you bury it sage. after. I didn't know that part. I yeah. Give it, ba- give it back to the earth. Now, people, they do sage their house and they keep the sage. They put it like it's decoration. Yes. All you really <laughs> did is just 
<laughs> pretty much just say, hey, come out and play. That's why most people feel a presence after they say, you know, the house gets worse. Oh, my God. That well, explains. Like, I feel like that's not a, like, yeah, a, like a consensus. I don't, I like, I know people well, that because stage the house, but they don't do that. So they don't well, bury the sage. So that's crazy. The, I, well, the idea of sage is actually Native American. It's a ritual. I mean, yeah. you are actually performing a ritual. You know, it's not like, you know, it's not a um, antibacterial spray. It's, <laughs> which, you know, it's an actual. Oh, shit. I thought it up, was. <laughs> but, but wait a minute. It also is, though. It actually purifies 80% of the air. Nice. Yeah, but but you are cleansing the area now. Palo Santo is to remove negative energy. You bring Palo Santo is to remove the negative energy. Mama, it's different. Palo Santo like the. the I have it. Week? It's the sticks. So holy week little sticks stuff. It's the sticks. No, no, no. It's what? not holy Palo- week. Is something else. That's frankincense. Oh, that's one of the gifts that was given to Jesus by the wise men. Frankincense. Okay. Okay. So, but so like, it, yeah, go ahead. So incense, smoke altogether is supposed to cleanse because it, it fogs up the air. Remember, most haunted things happen when it's a foggy night, mostly because water is a conductor. Okay. You know, you know. So smoke eliminates the conducting. A so conductor it, to the spirit world, or just yeah. Like, oh, okay. To the to to, to energy, and the like spirit world, whatever you want to call it, it's energy. That's what it down what it comes right. down to. Right. So a lot of us, you know, we we don't know the rituals. We 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 hear about it. It's like that game telephone. They tell us how to do it, but at the end of the day, it gets watered down, and you're not even doing it right. A lot of people don't like to use the sage because they know shit happens. So, you know, I always recommend if you're gonna do it, do it in a way where you know someone who's a professional. Have it done by someone who specializes it, because then you're just fucking waking everything up in your house, you know, and it's like. It's like even your mood can amplify. If you're a, a if you're an asshole, you're amplifying the assholeism in you. <laughs> oh. Mama, I just uh, real quick, I want to talk about your intuitiveness. Your you we were hanging out one time and you told my one of my best friends, Cameron's also my best friend, but my one of my other best friends that her grandma was standing behind her. How did you tap into that? It was and it always happens when I don't want it to happen. Uh, AJ controls it. AJ knows how to do it. Mediums know how to do it. I have the same kind of, you know, thing, but I just don't like to, like, I don't like to get into it because that's what got people to follow me. Mm-hmm. So I try to stay away from it. But uh, what I got was a warm feeling on my, on, my, on my right side, which meant it was through her mom's side. And then I look real quick, and it almost feels like I'm visualizing, like, the shadow of a woman behind her. And I'm like, it's probably like her grandmother or somebody and then when I said when I brought her up the image kind of started getting a little like lighter and then it just faded away so that was the validation coming through and I think your friend needed to hear that right there and then too yeah I agree she was, go- she was going through something that you know and recently I remember she told me like right after that conversation that she had like a personal renaissance of what she wants to do yeah and sometimes you know we have that thing where we need someone to tell us and it's our family members, our ancestors, our spirits, they come and visit us and they're trying to tell us, but we need someone to kind of like, hey, pay attention to them. Like, you know, they come into, they come to us in dreams. A lot of people who lost somebody that they love, they get visited in dreams. But the funny thing is in dreams, they don't even talk to us. So whenever you have a dream with somebody who passed away, mm-hmm. I always they don't do. talk. We just discussed this on the we, last episode. Yeah, I, I always um, dream about my best friend who died in the uh, San Bernardino shootings. I dream about her, um, like and like all the time. Like she's always by my side, and I was like, "Is this real?" And like the girl told me, "Yeah," and I was like, "Okay, cool," because it's now confirmation of, of, of building me up and being up by my side. So it's it's yeah. Cool. And you know that's we all have the ability to do that. We just gotta ask for it. Like, hey, visit me tonight. We just forget that we are also part of the energy. Like we are the energy. It's it's just we 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 become so detached to the that other side that's always there for us, and we just either we fear it because we don't understand it, or we fear it because you know we're guilty of something. It's crazy how it works, but mm-hmm. everybody can do. It. Everybody can be in tune to it. 
So just, you know, listen to our podcast and you'll hear some more drama that goes with it. Yes, AJ Barrera has classes to tap in um, and uh, just watch out for his fake accounts and watch out for, I saw today, Momo, you had fake accounts too coming Dude, what so, the fuck, uh, man? Yeah, So you know you're doing money. something right. Yeah, right, that means you're on the right path. Asking for money, that's not Momo. So, Momo, um, we are so thankful that you were on our podcast and giving us your time. I know your time is very precious, and we appreciate it so much. We are so thankful. Can you tell everybody where they can find you and what you're up to these days? Well, I am right now. They can find me on Instagram on Momo Rodriguez, but I'm doing so much crazy shit that I can't even talk about. That's the thing about sex, about doing good. Right when you're doing good, you can't tell nobody about it. But yeah. when you're not doing anything, you can tell you want to tell everybody about it. It's like that's when you know someone is doing something in Hollywood when they <laughs> post nonstop. Yeah. You know, and when you don't see them post anything, it's mean, oh, they're on some shit that's big. You know. Mm-hmm. So right now I'm doing some fun stuff. I, I can't wait for everyone to come see me. Come to the shows, you guys, come to the stand up shows. You'll get to you get a chance to meet Giselle moving around. <laughs> Um, <laughs> moving around like a monster psycho or something. I, I said, I said, I said, said boobing around. Oh, bo- still um, like I'm some psycho or something. Come see, yeah, come see her. Wonder, uh, come hang out. You know, we always have a great people hanging out with us. We have cool entourage. We have Gil coming out this week too. You do? Oh my god! I still, I keep telling Gil like set some time so I can like pay for your dinner and drinks for you coming on our podcast and he's like yes yes and he keeps putting it off but i'm like oh well that dude's a busy dude george has him george has him on some cool projects coming up yeah yeah no i'm an avid follower and i watch them on youtube all their podcasts all the time and one of my favorites is with snow um and uh i i dig that podcast for sure oh yeah she was great on there yeah no hopefully we get to work with her on some projects too coming up that's amazing snow is amazing Um, we're working with everybody right now. We're trying to we're trying to show everybody that we're all, we're all united. Done, you know, yeah, we're all united. I mean, yeah, black, brown, yellow. Yeah, of course, we're all, but, we're all going through the same shit. We all bleed. We all go through the same fucking trials and tribulations. But I love your like. It's like, like I love that we need representation, and you're a part of that. So thank you so thank much. You. Um, I we really appreciate it so much that you are on our podcast because you're you're our first comedian first actor and we are <laughs> totally well, ecstatic so thank you so much well I know thank you we know you're a busy man and just thank you for carving some time to be with us um and i will stalk you again more again more again, than when, 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 <laughs> when did it stop <laughs> exactly <laughs> I will stop Every... you more than usual. So, <laughs> you know, you you know, you get eighty people DMing you to be their Valentine, and the one that is mad about it is you're the only one. And I'm so sorry that you I missed the invitation. You me three to... times. I was sober twice. Well, so did Jesus time. to Judas, I mean, to Paul. <laughs> or no, Paul, Paul okay, no. Let me tell all my thirty listeners to go harass Momo at Momo Rodriguez on IG. Because of that Dude. bullshit, he didn't want to have me as his Valentine. So, um, listen, you... I guess I'll, I'll guess I'll hit on Hefty again, even though he doesn't want me. <laughs> you want a date with me on you? <laughs> Out of nowhere, she. This is what she says. Hey, how's it going? By the way, three questions. Number one, will you be my Valentine? Second, like you know, you know, it, this is this is a 2022 man. Momo, you know, Momo times. Times I asked all three of you, Fernando, Hefty, and you, to be my Valentine's. If I could date you guys at the same time, and you guys denied me like three times, I was like, "Oh my god!" We don't even fit in. We don't even fit in a booth at the same time. He wants to date you at the same time. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Think about okay. it. It would be the most awkward thing. No, you'll get a date with each and every one of us. We'll. we'll, we'll I don't want to date times. individually. I just want to date as a, like a. Like a, a group date, like a you thruple, you know a what I'm saying? <laughs> like a thruple, like that's what I want. But you're obviously, obviously, you keep denying me. Have you denied me? I don't know about Fern. He's like, <laughs> listen, He's I don't, like... <laughs> I don't share. Okay, I don't share. I'm not a sharer. I don't share appetizers or women <laughs> or drinks. I'm just kidding. <laughs> or drinks, or drinks. So yeah, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be 
go on a date with three with three, with two other guys that I know, you know, have no game. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. All right, you, you know. Momo. Thank you so much. I we yeah. love you. I love you. You're an inspiration. Keep doing what you're doing. Um, I I totally agree with your with your perspective on things and how you want to Thank represent. You. And your your comedy is hilarious. So, my listeners, if you don't know what's good, look look up at Momo Rodriguez and look at his podcast at Para Gordo. All right, we signing out. Peace. Bye. Peace. Out.